the most rewarding thing is because we've got an open kitchen. Pretty much everyone who comes in the restaurant has to walk past me and the team at some stage and everyone who walks past, just about everyone has something beautiful and wonderful to say and, and I'm still surprised every time. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. We caught up with Attila Yilmaz way back in episode eight of Deep in the Weeds more than two years ago. He took us on a journey from his father's Turkish restaurant to a career in the police force and the switch to successful restaurateur. We also spoke of the damage and the uncertainty of the pandemic. And two years of that upheaval has resulted in a decision to close the doors of Pazar Collective. Attila, how are you? I'm fine and dandy. Thanks, mate. How are you? I'm good. It's a it's a pretty big decision to um, sort of stop what you're doing, and I know the last two years have had incredible challenges. What 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 what? Tell us about that decision and what's happening. Well, essentially, it's you know the the whole um, labour shortage in the country affecting kind of every industry is has really hit us hard like it has many others um you know we're seeing a lot of other places making the same sort of decision so ultimately it's just it's been myself um and my two offside of sagar and manoj who've been with me for almost seven years um and one of them is going home for the first time in four years come the end of september and you know for 12 months two years now we've been trying to find chefs, find someone to fill the, fill the gaps. And it's just come to a point where we, we haven't been able to find anyone. Um, and rather than compromise quality and compromise service, um, I think it's better to go out on top and, you know, shelve bazaar for the, for the meantime and never say never and see what happens, you know, in, in maybe a couple of years when the, the country sorts itself out. Take us through the decision process. How long have you sort of been thinking about this and what sort of impact has it had on you and, and making that kind of final call? Uh, to be honest, I've only really been thinking about it probably the last six weeks uh, I, because it, we were always holding out hope that we would find someone or at least, you know, one or two bodies to, to fill that gap in the kitchen. I mean, we do a service of 150 packs with just the three of us. And we do it, and we do it well because it's an orchestrated dance and we've worked together for, you know, seven years, or, so we know what we're doing. But, yeah, only really in the last six weeks and I'm holding out hope. And, when you know, when that realisation came that we're just really not going to find someone and be able to train them up and, and get them up to speed in time, uh, I just felt like it was just time to call time on it and um, move on to something and do something different. What? I don't know yet, but yeah. What sort of impact has, has it had on you? You know, you've built this incredible offering uh, in the suburbs of, of Sydney and it's been your life for, for so many years. Um, what's the, what's it been like processing the last couple of, couple of weeks? Um. Yeah, it didn't really even hit me until I put the post up uh, on our socials to say, you know, to decide what we're doing. And I, I don't think it hit my kitchen team, mm. you know, Sagar and, and, and Manoj as well until we did it. Um, you know, we we're all pretty emotional about it. Uh, look, it's, it's, it's just one of those things, uh, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with the decision. 
Um, I know that we, you know, I'll go on and create something and do something different. Uh, to be honest, the the delusions of grandeur and expanding and doing multiple, opening multiple venues, mm. you know, that dissipated in, you know, throughout the pandemic. And I've realised there are other more important things in life. Um, you know, I've been running this business on my own for the last three and a half years and I'm talking from payroll to to setting up the bar to um, to the kitchen to reservations mm. the whole lot um, and it's it, it's taken its toll I'm tired I'm unhealthy and uh, there are some things I just need to focus on um, and you know we'll uh, we'll do that it's yeah it's 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 bittersweet in some respects. You, as as we sort of detailed all those years ago, you you made that move, you know, from a career in the police force into um, the world of food and and made an amazing impact. But the the last two years, has it has it changed your thoughts about um, your role in the hospitality sector and kind of what you want to get out of it? Um, yeah, you know, somewhere along the way. I mean, it just it became a monster. I mean, Pazar, it started off quite small and, you know, the numbers weren't huge, but it was hugely satisfying. And then, you know, with some of the reviews and the accolades and, you know, uh, you know from people like yourself and the New York Times, um, it, it just it grew into a, a bit of a beast. You know, at its peak, we were doing 300, 350 people, you know, on a, on a Saturday night. You know, um, you know, and but with a with a brilliant team and a full, you know, I had a full management team, a, a full bar team, full kitchen team. So it was it was possible, um, you know. And we were we were looking to to expand, and we had we'd actually signed a lease in January twenty twenty uh, to, and I pulled out. Uh, I I saw what was happening overseas. I didn't like it. And I decided no, and thankfully that I mean that we dodged a bullet, a massive bullet there. Um, so yeah, look, I initially went into this as a food truck, as you know, that's how I started, and it morphed into a restaurant. And I was just happy to feed a few people, pay the bills, put food on the table at home, and just provide just provide what, you know the necessities for my family, and. I think a big part of me wants to go back to that, <laughs> um, you know, and whether that be with a small team, whether it be just on my own doing something, you know, by myself, uh, I I really don't know yet. I'm just trying to get through the next you know six six weeks and um, and and uh, and see how we go. The arc of your story in in uh, the food industry is quite amazing from a kid that uh, grew up with a father with a Turkish restaurant and then into the police force and then through food trucks and then bricks and mortar, as you sort of mentioned. And tell us about the food um, at Pazar and, and what it started out being and what it sort of turned into over the years. Yeah, so, I mean, it was... It was hugely influenced by my my Turkish upbringing, um, but also from my travels all around the world, not just sort of uh, Mexico, which is kind of what I was known for for my uh, my Mexican cuisine when I first got out there. Um, you know, it was always about 
family. It was always about abundancy. It was always about um, sharing. And, you know, and in that those early days, in that environment, it was, it was a lot easier. Um, as the years have gone on, um, as everything has increased in cost and price and, and you know, the, it, it, it became, I don't know, it's, the passion was all about the food and then it becomes about the business and keeping it sustainable and, you know, um, you know, providing opportunities for people and all that sort of thing. But I, I guess, you know, Pazar was always just meant to be just a testing ground for, for new flavors and different, mixes of flavors. I never really wanted to be pigeonholed or, or labeled as one sort of certain thing. Um, Sydney being as fickle as it is, you know, we love a food trend. We, we, we skip from restaurant to restaurant, new opening to new opening and, um, you know, just to remain relevant and, and in the scene, I just wanted to be able to, I just wanted to be able to do what I wanted to do and not be able to be locked into one sort of thing. Um, yeah, so it's and it's it's evolved. It's you know over the years. I think I like to think, and I'm very proud of my team because they do an amazing job. I, I think the food has certainly improved, but also I think I think the key to our success has been just the consistency that we've always remained consistent with our offering. One of the key things is um, that you've been known for is abundance and generosity and um, just really delicious food that you'd want to eat every day. But um, are there any dishes or discoveries that you had in in the kitchen over the years that you can share with us um, that sort of typify that sort of global sort of um, journey that you went on with food? Um, yeah, I think if you just look at kind of – there are probably seven or eight items on our menu that have remained consistent over the years. Um, uh, pro- you know, probably one of the most popular ones has been the smoked lubna that we do. You know, where we where, where we uh, we cold smoke our lubna, and that's served with depending on the season a, a different type of um, topping, which is normally s- sweet and spicy. So at the mar- at the moment, it's a, it's a Persian carrot jam um, that we put on top of that. And then with that is a we, – we've always served and it always stays on it as um, – it's a dry salsa that I learned from a lady in Mexico uh, – sorry, in LA uh, called chiltepil. And it's just a combination of, you know, sesame seeds, chilies, uh, dried chilies, um, pepitas, and it's toasted and – you know, that's sprinkled on top as well. So you've got the, the smoky lubna, the nutty crunch of the, the dry salt and the sweetness of the thing. So it's a, there's a whole gamut of different kind of cuisines and uh, you know, techniques going into one, one little dish. And it's probably up there with one of our most popular dishes that can never come off the menu. Um, I think it's one of the ones that people speak, talk about the most uh, when they refer to Pazar. That and, and, and our lamb. Which has you know remained our our hero dish right from day one. Over the years, do you have any sort of stories of sort of some of the great moments um, with the team or with with the restaurant uh, that you've had? Yeah, I, for me personally, I think the most satisfying thing for me over the years and with the people that I've worked with is seeing them move on to to bigger and better things. Um, and also being able to provide, you know, sponsorship opportunity and then seeing those people 
um, go on and create lives for themselves. Um, and that, that was something that I found hugely rewarding and, um, and amazing. And, you know, Sagar, who's been with me for seven years, he, he finally got his PR, um, per- permanent residency granted uh, at the beginning of this year. And, you know, the, the, this tiny little restaurant in, in Canterbury has been able to provide an opportunity for people to create a life in this country is probably the most satisfying thing for me. Um, you know, to, pe- to see people like uh, you know, Alex Martin, who, who head chef for me for, um, you know, for over a year, who did amazing things with us, you know, to see her go on to the Maldives and she's the executive chef of a, of a group over there, um, you know, uh, it's it's been hugely rewarding um, seeing those people move on. And we've had some quite young staff over the years who started at 16, 17, to see them and, and you know, they were with us for four, five years to see them finish their uni and then go on and, and, and start careers and some of them start families. Um, you know, Katie Weir, who's instrumental in, in establishing Pazar with me in those early days when I was just running around like a madman trying to do everything myself. You know, she was my manager, my GM, and she just, she really brought the heart and soul to Pazar and She's gone off. She's had three kids, but she's got a hugely successful um, uh, photography business now where she does family portraits called the, the Golden Days Photography. Um, to see those people just going off and growing is, is amazing. Um, you know, Gizem, who was with me for seven, oh, for, for, sorry, five or six years, she was my you know, manager and my right-hand woman in the kitchen. She created the hugely popular uh, uh, Trev Letcher's um, cake that we do with me and you know see her now as the the gm of a a massive shop fitting um company is just it's just it's just rewarding to see people who've gone and done bigger and greater things and you know they've all really contributed to what bazaar is today the sydney suburbs is is rich with all sorts of different cultures and and cuisines but a lot of the food media attention sort of drifts towards the CBD and the sort of um, bigger sort of restaurants. Well, what's, what's been the benefits and the challenges of opening, you know, something like Pazaar in Canterbury and, um, you know, garnering so much support from people as well? You know, it's funny. You know, we've been there for eight years. I've been on that site probably for no, now for 10 years and still 85% of my clientele and business still comes from out of the area. It's still from the eastern suburbs, um, city fringe, the north, south. You know, even during those lockdowns in 2020 when we were doing our drive-through at the back, there were people driving from, from Bondi, um, from, you know, from the north shore to come and get takeaway, which was um, uh, hugely satisfying. Um, funnily enough, a lot of the locals still do not know where <laughs> We're there. Um, we were only again discovered by someone in the apartment complex across the road who's lived there for three years this time, um, and they didn't even know we were there until we announced that they were closing. Um, but yeah, look, being in the suburbs is—I is, always wanted to just create a space that was that had a reputation based on its food, and not a, not its fit out. Um, and that was always the challenge for me. Um, and I think I've, I've said before, you know, when we first started, we, we didn't even have any signage and I blacked out the windows. That's how I wanted it to be. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's been hugely rewarding to see people willing to travel and to come out. Um, and in recent months, people are venturing 
out of their areas again. I think lockdowns really kind of made people insular and, and allowed people to discover their own area. But I think now as we're getting on, people are starting to explore again. We've seen, you know, we've seen a huge upsurge in the last kind of three months uptake and bookings are increasing and, you know, it's going back to what it used to be. But with the small team that I have, you know, we're only doing three nights a week um, and, you know, hugely limiting our, our, our reservations. I, you know, we've, I've taken 70 seats out of the restaurant just so we don't look like we're half empty um, because that's all we can service. So, yeah, but you know, being in suburbs has been great. It's been great to to, to be recognised and, um, you know, to have created something and not on my own. It's it's not me. It's I couldn't have done it without all the people I've worked with over the years. But um, And we're very proud of what we've done. When we caught up two years ago, you, you recognised the sort of work-life balance that wasn't in your life and, and the yearning to sort of find that, but the challenges of it as a hospitality professional. Um, you, you mentioned just before how tired you are of the constant sort of upheaval of the last two years. Tell me about that work-life balance and sort of where you're at and, and what you're looking for. Yeah, so... I. In 2019, I made a, a big decision to drop from five nights to four nights just to create work-life balance more so for my team than, than for myself. Um, and that was probably the best decision I ever made because it, it, you know, it, uh, you know, doing four nights and having giving my team three days off a week, it's just, you know, that's why, why they've been with me for so long. And it's just, it makes a happy work environment. Here behind the scenes, I might be a little bit more stressed and everything, like that, but I, I, can, I can hide that and and do whatever and plus out of necessity um look i've realized that the kids grow up really fast um you know my son's nine my daughter's 12 you know in those first initial years i I was just immersed in the business i missed a lot of those those beautiful years you know the the two three four years when they're and 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 that's a regret and i don't want to miss any more of that so you know, um, being around family and spending more time with them has become hugely uh, more important to me. Um, as far as the challenges go, it's, you know, moving forward, it's hugely, it's just a really tough market at the moment. I think the industry is, is I think there's a huge oversupply of restaurants and cafes and bars um, and there are constant, constant new openings. I think as an independent operator on my own, it's it's very hard to compete with the large groups, the Mary Vales, the Solitels, the Loundy groups. Uh, that's um, we just can't offer. And I can't I can't offer what a Mary Vale would offer. I can't offer the HR, the the training, the support, the career progression, the you know the seventy venues with seventy different cuisines that you you, you could learn how to to cook or to serve. Um, you know, so I think moving forwards, I think it's a very, very bleak space for independence, from my opinion, um, especially in suburbia. <laughs> it's it's pretty tough out here. There's no doubt you have an amazing um, knack to create this energy and ambience in a in a dining room and a real beautiful touch with food in the kitchen, given your experience, not just of the last two years, but of running Bazaar, how would you approach things differently as, as you move forward if, um, if and when you do another venue? 
Wow. Um, the game has changed so much. You know, I, I wasn't born into this. I've had to learn a lot along the way. Um, you know, it's, it's, it used to, it just felt like it was easier before. It, uh, it was easier to put food on a plate and, and serve it to people. Now there's so many more considerations that have to be made. Um, you know, moving forwards, it's, I, I, it's a really hard one to answer, mate. I just, you know, it, it, staffing is just a major issue at the moment. Whatever, I've got a thousand ideas of what I'd like to do, but ultimately every one of them relies on a certain amount of skill or or, or, or a minimum amount of labour to help out. And then, you know, I, I reflect on my travels, you know, through around the world and especially, you know, I go back to thinking about Turkey and they have these little standalone places where it's just an old guy on his own doing one thing and one thing well. And he's called a usta, which is usta means a master. And that's it. And he does that one thing. And he goes and he has a certain amount that he'll do each day. He'll sell and go home and he's happy. And, you know, he's been doing that for the last 50, 60 years. There's something very romantic at that notion. There's something, you know, kind of that really draws me towards that. Um, However, it's impractical. <laughs> but, um, you know, who knows? I think the, it's, it's very hard to make any firm decisions at the moment just because the environment is – there's so many unknowns at the moment out there and, and it's really hard to, um, to kind of move forward. Um, you know, usually when we're looking – I mean, just the cost of produce, forget about finding labour now – but even just the cost of produce alone, you know, putting food on a plate. Uh, and as generous we, as we are in our portion sizes, we can't really scale that back at the moment because that just wouldn't be bizarre. Um, you know, if you came in and you got half the size of what you, you're used to getting. And I don't want to compromise on that at the moment. Um, so I think moving forward, you've just got to be a little bit smarter and a little bit um, uh, more clever with uh, what I want to do. You've announced on on Instagram that it's kind of a, a final tour for Pizarro. Does it feel like a bit of weight off your shoulders and a bit of relief? And are you, are you enjoying this kind of um, last hurrah for the time being? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm calling it the farewell tour. Um, much like John Farnham, I'm hoping, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping we can do a few farewell tours in the future. You know, maybe Pizarro will be reborn. Um, you know, uh, I look – um yeah it's it it's it's been overwhelming it's been humbling the the comments and the outpouring of emotion and support has been uh, amazing um and my team are also so proud of, of of what we've done and and what people are saying uh people are booking um you know, sydney loves a closing we've got a lot of a lot of a lot of regulars, but a lot of people who've never been before are booking, um, which is which is great to see. Um, you know, the comments heard at the pass, oh, we've never been before. I mean, we're finally glad we got finally got here. And it's like, oh, you know, like it's just you, 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 we want to continue. It's not that we we don't want to close. Um, 
so it's 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 been great as as a one man operator as far as the management team goes. Um, I'm doing the social media, the reservations, still running the kitchen, um, you name everything. So it's been a little bit of a logistical uh, cluster. Uh, fuck for the last <laughs> uh, four or five days, I haven't really moved away from the computer that much. Um, but it's 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 working, and hopefully we'll do have some nice, smooth, fun services between now and the tenth of September when we um when we uh, call time. Are there still uh, spaces left to get get that sort of um, last meal uh, at Pizar? Yeah, there is. There's there's still some some spaces left. Um, we are capping it. Just because we just we don't want to go stupid with it, um, and also you know we don't want these last weeks to be stressful, and and, and we want to really just enjoy our time in the kitchen and, and enjoy serving serving the people. So you know it's the first time we're doing we're doing a set menu and set menu only um, for everyone, uh, but it's honestly the only way we can do it as a, as a three um, three man team at the moment. So. Um, we'd, we'd, you know, we'd love to do a la carte. It's just, it's not possible, but, um, there'll be an abundance of food. Uh, so if you are coming, wear your stretchy pants. <laughs> well, you've enriched so many people's lives, including my own. I had a birthday there once as, as, as you know, cause I, I love your food. Um, sort of looking back at Pizarro, you know, what, what's, what's a beautiful thing that you've taken from this experience that you've had? You, you know, what? I'm I'm always I'm just confused all the time. I still do, it still doesn't hit me. When when you say when uh, you know when I read reviews and when you've been in like people like yourself who are huge of respect in the, in the food scene, and even every night when people come past the pass, and that's probably the 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 most rewarding thing is because we've got an open kitchen. Pretty much everyone who comes in the restaurant has to walk past me and the team at some stage, and everyone who walks past, just about everyone has something beautiful and wonderful to say and thank us for the fit. And I'm still surprised every time. I really, truly am that, I don't know, that we were able to create this and that people love and enjoy what we do so, so much. And that's the most rewarding thing for me. And that's the, what I'll take away from it. But I am still, I'm still confused about it all. I really am, you know. Because I'm just the next cop, just put slapping food on a plate. I'm not, you know. It was never meant to be. It was never meant to be successful. I didn't even think it would be anything more than me just being able to provide for my family, you know, pay the bills and 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 um, live a very simple life, um, which I do live. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, Attila, thank you for what you um, created and look forward to seeing what does emerge after some, some time off. Um, we've loved having you, as always, on Deep in the Weeds and I uh, look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you, mate. Thank you for your support over the years and thank you to everybody out there who's listening that, that's been and been a part of Pazar. Um, you've all made it what it is, so thank you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs> <laughs>